The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Super Skull. I don't know. I loved it. You like it? Yeah, I it really enjoyed the cigarette that you're smoking while you're singing it. Welcome to Super Skull, issue 209. That's beautiful. The week of October 24th, 2018. My name is Nick Weibar. I'm here with Marcus Schwimmer. I, I wish you would open up with a serenade every single week. If you just say the word, you know I'll do it for you. I just set the mood. Did I say that this is your weekly New Comic Day audio digest? I don't even know if I said that. I don't think you did. I was taken away by song. And you, I didn't even say the reason we're here. You didn't say it, but you lit these candles, these aromatic candles. Oh, the joke there being that no one can see it, no, so it could be true. It could be true. Yeah. That's that, right. That's a great podcast Thanks. joke. Thanks. I'm just trying to kick us off strong. We have no Curtis Sullivan this week. He's, he's on, on vacation. He's on vacation. He's traveling around the state of Michigan. We wish him well. Hope he's having a really good time. Blah, 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 blah. So I noticed that you are here today, and I didn't ask you about it, but um, we're recording this on Wednesday, October 24th, 2018, the day after the uh, the big Mega Millions $1.6 billion lottery ticket. That's right. Did, bu- you, did you win the lottery? I did not. I, oh. made, I made about a million plans as to what I would do with my winnings if I, if I did win. Yeah. But I woke up this morning and I got skunked again. So you are the only person I know that like starts planning so in earnest about what how, it's not should you win or if you win but when you win you're just ready to hit the ground running. You know, I was I was uh I was very into scouting as a young man following that motto be prepared. Boy if, scouting. Boy scouting, yes, if you're going to play the game, yeah. Get ready to win. It's so stupid. <laughs> but it Makes you think like stupid, magical thinking sure. thoughts. And I, I like to live, I don't play the lotto very often at all. I maybe play the lotto once a year. When it gets to these outrageous, giant proportions, sure. I'll play the lotto. You know, 10 bucks, whatever. Um, but it is, you know, that $10 is worth it just because for maybe a half hour before going to bed. Yep. There is a chance yeah, and I like to just go through, and it's maybe it's a little bit of a check as well. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to do when I win this money? You think you like the chance that you're going to wake up a millionaire? Yeah, I I do like that. that. That's what the chance, or no? Is it the planning it's that the you plan- like? I like the planning aspect of it. Like, all right, I'm going to pay off some student loan for my buddies. Yeah, I'm gonna. What am I going to do with this money? Yeah, you know, I like that idea, and I think it keeps you in check a little bit. How does it keep you in check? Because as I was laying in bed last night thinking, like, what am I going to do with $500 million? Yeah. It's an obscene amount of money. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, you know, I could, bu- of course I could buy an island mm-hmm. with $500 million. That would be awesome to have my own island. But I started thinking, like, how much, how many kids could I send to college with that money? You already, so you, and you, so you go beyond the let's have fun thinking about pretend winning the lottery. Yeah. You go right into your, the moral responsibility of your fake winning the lottery. Exactly. What's my foundation name? What's the logo? 
Do I have galas? What is the, what's the foundation name? It's the Marcus P. Schwimmer Charitable Trust. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe we have a black tie gala. Maybe it's to send kids to college. Maybe it's for wildlife conservation. I don't know. But it's good to know that I would think I would probably do that. I don't th- I don't play the lottery, and I don't usually think about playing the lottery at all. But we have played the lottery together before. Let's we did, because your enthusiasm is infectious, and I think when we worked together, we did play the lotto together. Yeah. And, I think- then, and then I last night, I'm sitting in my apartment, and I was. it was like 10 o'clock. The mm-hmm. drawing is at 11. Yeah. And I'm like, should I go get a lottery ticket? I don't know. That seems silly. $1.6 billion. That seems like a lot of money. But then I thought, I don't want to lose my parking spot. I got a pretty good parking spot out in the apartment complex. That's worth, yeah. Okay. And then the thought, this is what the lottery does to you. Yeah. Because then the thought comes to my mind, am I going to not win? What if Marcus wins the lottery and I didn't buy a ticket? Because I didn't want to lose my parking spot. Be bold. And then my mind just starts racing. And all of a sudden, I'm in fucking Marcus land. Yeah. And it's because of your enthusiasm for this bullshit. Look, I look for. I hope one day you do win the lottery. Yeah, I hope you win the lottery. I look forward to going to your charitable trusts events. Yeah. Maybe you would have them. Maybe you would. Do you want to know what mine's going to be called? Yes, I would love to know. The Marcus P. Schwimmer Charitable Trust. That's amazing. Let's see what's in the news. Okay. Hey, Nick. Yes, sir. You like hip-hop music. Yep. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah. It sounds weird when you ask it like that, but yes, I do. Okay. I I don't know why it sounds weird. Yeah. But okay. Um, Well, I wanted to let you know that certain hip-hop artists are going to be re-releasing their classic albums with Marvel cover art on them. Talk to me. So if you remember back a couple years, the hottest shit in the comics industry was Marvel was releasing variant covers that were done in the style of famous R&B and rap albums. Yep. And there was some controversy behind it, but overall it was very, very popular. Yes. We sold a lot of variant covers during that time period. What was the controversy? I thought this was universally beloved. No, the controversy was is that Marvel was using black culture to make money. Oh, yeah. That was a huge controversy. It certainly was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That did kind of suck a little bit. But those covers were cool. They were very, very cool. But um, Urban Legends, which is a recording house, and Marvel Studios are teaming up to re-release certain records. Uh, They're going to start with three records, one from 50 Cent, one from LL Cool J, one from GZA. Am I saying that correctly? It's the, the... Jizza, yeah. Jizza? No, GZA is, um, the guy's got a lot of nicknames and not one of them is GZA, but please keep uh, going. Okay. Um, and those albums are going to get released with the associated Marvel variant cover on it. Oh, but, so they're going to put out the actual album yes. uh, on vinyl? Or vinyl. On, okay, and then the cover of it is the comic book cover that came out a few years ago that matched that particular artist? Correct, and there's going to be a couple different kinds of uh, versions that you can buy. Mm-hmm. Some of them will come with little booklets with all the little you know artist statements and stuff like that. But they're going to be limited, 50,000 units each. So they're going to be sold at record stores. So you're going to have to get off your computer head out to a record store to buy one, and they're going to do a number of these little uh, releases. I think it's really, really cool. I love this news. This is great news. I thought those covers were so cool. I'm trying to see 
So the only three that we have so far, it's 50 Cent, Get Richard, Die Trying, it's LL Cool J, Mama Said, Knock You Out, and then uh, Liquid Swords from Jizza. Those are the three that we're going to start with. That's right. Well, that's rock solid. That's it, a rock solid lineup. It is. And what I like is that, yes, Marvel co- ripped off these these album covers. Yep. But now the money is making its way to the artist, hopefully, a little bit. Well, we'll see about that. Hopefully. I want that to be true. I want that to be true. Yeah. Um, which which is pretty cool. Excellent. I have some news for you. I'm ready. But so and on paper, this news doesn't sound very exciting, but I need you to go on a little walk with me. You, I'll walk with you anywhere. Okay. So you know the company Hasbro? I do. They make very popular games like Monopoly. They also, incidentally, own very popular dork games like Magic the Gathering. And Dungeons and Dragons. And Dungeons and Dragons. And lots and lots of other things. Yeah, there was a huge controversy when they got the rights to Dungeons and Dragons from the now defunct company TSR. What was that controversy? Well, T- were they going to do right by them? Were they going to turn? Were we going to? It was going to turn I- it all into monopoly. It's kind of that idea that TSR was a smaller gaming company. Um, I mean, they were big in in kind of nerd board gaming culture for the Mm -hmm. 80s and 90s but eventually they due to some bad business practices lost a lot of their money there were a lot of lawsuits headed their way and so hasbro bought the rights to dungeons and dragons when dungeons and dragons 3.0 came out Mm -hmm. 3.0 was the first edition that was kind of behind the hasbro line yes and it was met with a lot of skepticism of like all these people who worked on. Wait, a new edition of Dungeons and Dragons was met with a lot of skepticism. I know it's it's a time honored tradition in the community, but this was particular because a lot of the people who had worked on D and D and A D and D had left the the brand at that point and had gone on to make other things. So when Dungeons and Dragons 3.0 came out, Hasbro actually did a very limited run on the, I believe it was the player's handbook that came out first. Mm. And it was hot wildfire for a little while. I remember being a young teen and trying to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of questions about how Hasbro was going to handle that property, and now they've grown it and made it better than maybe it's ever been. And that just speaks to the fact that Hasbro is a very, very large company that buys things. Yes. They may be, it, they're so large, in fact, that maybe you don't want to think about them as like, a designer of games or a developer of games, but really they buy things and make sure that they get out to the public. That's right. They are they are you know a, a publisher first and foremost, right? So they had a pretty rough third quarter. They were down about twelve percent in revenue. So it by all, on its own, who cares, right? So probably this is due in a large part to Toys R Us shutting down. Yeah. And there were some delays in the manufacturing. Um, it, they're a big player in the board game market, so they had a decline. So I was keeping an eye on it. Yeah, of course. One way or another, probably would not have talked about it on the podcast, except as I look into it, Hasbro is huge, man. Like how big is huge? So their quarter three resu- revenue, gross revenue for the third quarter of 2018 was $1.5 billion. It's a lot of monopoly. That's a lot of monopoly. So the entire hobby game market, the entire hobby game market, these are the games that we talk about on this show, all of these nerdy board games that we talk about from every single publisher, including anything that Hasbro controls and including Asmodee, all together, all nerd hobby games are worth $1.5 billion. For the whole year? For an entire year. What is Hasbro making the rest of their money on? They own Magic the Gathering, they own Monopoly, and they own Pie Face. Oh, so here's, you and I got into a 
rather heated debate one time. Please tell our listeners what Pie Face is. Pie Face is a game where two people uh, sit on opposite ends of one another. And there's a hand. They said across from one another. Across from one another. Thank you. There's a plastic hand, and you f- fill it full of whipped cream. Mm-hmm. And then whipped each- cream not included. Whipped cream not included. You take turns cranking a thing or spinning a thing. I can't remember which one. Yep. And the hand, there's a random chance the hand will pop up and hit you in the face with whipped cream. And it was the hottest shit for a while. How do you? So the game is. About turning a crank? What's think, the game? The game is you and another person are taking a random chance at who's going to get pied. This was like a very popular game for a minute. It, no, like, as I was working for you and buying board games, yeah. it was there was a time where I didn't know what this game was, and then something happened on the internet, yeah. and 30 people a day were asking us if we had the game. Yeah. And... It was like that, and then it was Speak Out, which is the game where you put the plastic shit in your mouth. This thing is horrifying. And then try to say phrases, and other people guess it. Yeah, you had to put this thing in your mouth. It's almost like a horse's bit. Yeah. Except for it made you look like you were in a Nine Inch Nails video. Exactly. And it like pulled your face away from your own face, and you yeah. had to like say things while you were wearing it. Yeah. yeah, I remember Pie Face and that game, Speak Out, is that what it was called? Yeah. They both showed up at the shop at the same time. And I fired you. You did. You were not happy about it. I think I asked you to leave. We did sell them. There is still a copy of Pie Face. Is there the really? To this day, That's hysterical. I saw it just two days That's ago. That's awesome. I, I will mount it on a wall somewhere with crazy glue. But it was but, very, very popular. This is, what I, this is what I associate with Hasbro. So when I see a number like $1.5 billion in a single quarter, in what I have to assume is not their most profitable quarter. Yeah. You know, we're not even into the big money time, which has got to be the fourth quarter. Because of Christmas. Right. So if we talk about like hobby board games, the type of games that, um, let's take a look here. So when I say the hobby board game market is worth $1.5 billion, that includes role-playing games. That includes collectible card games. So that includes magic. It includes magic also. How is that? Hobby little board games just are worth $345 million in revenue. It's so little. It's so, so, so tiny. You know, and it's crazy to me, and I know like a billion dollars seems like a lot, but there are, I can list 20 shops that I know live and die by Magic the Gathering. They're Magic the Gathering shops. Sure. They might sell their board games, they might sell Warhammer, but their bread and butter is Magic the Gathering. That's what pays the bills. Yeah. And there are shops like that all across America, and it's crazy to me that Magic the Gathering isn't a... $300 $300 million industry by itself. Um, Magic the Gathering is much bigger than that on its own. Let's just have, is a, it? let's have a quick look what, here. What part of that? It's by far the biggest part of the hobby game of market. Of the pie. What, it, yeah, what part of the pie is Magic? So in 2017, collectible card games were worth about uh, $725 million. That's so Which crazy. was down a little bit from the year before. 725 so three quarters of a million dollars almost, of a billion dollars, excuse me, just in Magic the Gathering. So TCGs are pulling in, trading, TCGs being trading card games, yeah. are pulling in way more than board games. To double, more than double. I than, See, than I knew it was a games. lot, but I didn't know it was to that magnitude. That's crazy. Isn't it crazy? The smallest category by far is role-playing games, but role-playing games have the most growth. Of they're, course. They're the ones that are growing the fastest at the moment, but they still they don't even clock in at, they're only in the double-digit millions at this point. 
That's not terribly surprising to me. Yeah. RPGs have always had one thing going against them, and that is, and it's changing a little bit right now, but that has been historically, people, when they get into RPGs, are in their early teens, and RPG books have always been crazy expensive for teenagers, mm-hmm. right? So back in the day, a Magic the Gathering book was, or not a Magic the Gathering, excuse me, a Dungeons and Dragons book, I think third edition books were like $50, mm-hmm. which when you're 13 is an insane amount of money. It's an impossible amount of money. Right? And you need three of them to start to play. Right. And that's always been a little bit of a gate to get, allow young people to start playing RPGs. That is changing a little bit more. Uh, not so much with Dungeons & Dragons, which is still crazy expensive, um, but with other supplemental RPGs that have come into the market at a cheaper price point. Yeah. It's probably where we're seeing some of that growth. So but- Hasbro's declining a little bit. Um, it, it was, and it's interesting just to think about it as a player in this larger industry and just realize how tiny the, the parts of it that we follow closely are still just a tiny, tiny little slice. It's all pie face and monopoly, dude. That's like, that's the whole market. It's billions and billions of dollars. A pie face monopoly and Magic the Gathering. And Magic the Gathering. And even Magic the Gathering in the scheme of things is still a tiny slice of that. That's insane to me. I know. It's a tiny slice of the pie face. What has always blown my mind about Magic the Gathering is what I assume, and I will I will preface this and say assume, is the tiny, tiny cost for a three ninety nine pack on that, that Hasbro's all, end. That all of that is happening. Oh, like what they're paying to produce to, those cards? To pay the artist to make the art. Yeah. To make the card, to ship the card, to package the card. What all of that cost must come down to on a three ninety nine pack. You know, a lot of retail stores live and die by a 50 to 100% markup. Mm-hmm. And I just have to figure that the Magic the Gathering booster pack markup is insane. Yeah. Oh, it's got to be. Got to be. Because it, all it is at the end of the day is printed and stamped tiny little cards, yep. pieces of cardboard. Yep. yep. So, yeah, that's always blew my mind. Yeah, that's money. That's money, yeah, that's, that's that, right. That's that magic money. And that's the news. Good oh. news. If you listen through to the end of every episode of Super Skull, you'll hear us say that it's brought to you by Vault of Midnight. And what that means is that we read all of the comic books that we get from Vault of Midnight. But Super Skull is supported financially from our listeners. If you would like to support Super Skull, please go to superskullshow.com slash donate. A buck an episode, $5 a month. It really goes a long way, and uh, it's the only way that we make money. I have good news. Yeah? How was your weekend? My weekend was great. How was your weekend? My weekend was also great. Did you do anything cool? Uh, I went LARPing yep. this past weekend. Yeah, big big weekend for me uh, in, in the LARP world. Mm-hmm. And a uh, little rainy, but yeah, overall very, very nice. What'd you do last weekend? I went to your LARP. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, you did. I saw you get knighted. Congratulations. Thank, You're a knight. Thank you so much. Your character is a knight. That's that's correct. I am not a knight, but my character is a knight. Mm-hmm. Been working on that for three and a half years now. T- so tell me in a way that is, because I am very excited for you. Thank you. And I find it very fascinating. Yes. Tell it for for our listeners in a way that is not boring. Sure. What is briefly involved in becoming a knight? Yeah, so um, depending on the game that you play, there are different criteria. But kind of across the board... I Already would, bored. I would say there are three general things you need to do to be a knight yep. in, in a LARP. 
Yep. Um, one is you have to provide service to the game outside of the game, mm. meaning you have to run stuff, you have to hold a position in the organization, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, the other one is you have to do great deeds in the game. Yes. And the slay a dragon. Slay, sure, slay a dragon. You guys got dragons? Uh, apparently we do. Oh, cool. I, yeah. Um, and then the third one is you have to find someone to take you under their tutelage, mm-hmm. um, someone who is already a knight, so that you may squire for them. Okay. So I squired for a gentleman for three and a half years, um, and we traveled all around the country and, and played different games, and I squired for him all around the country. Um, and that all kind of came to a head when I went to Montreal earlier this year to fight in the biggest battle in North America. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that battle, after fighting for six hours straight, he looked at me and informed me that he was going to knight me uh, this past weekend. Hey, all right. So it was very, very cool. It, yeah. It was very, very cool. And you surprised me. I had no idea that you were going to show up to this thing. Mm-mm. Producer Rachel Polk put it all together. Yeah. Because we've been LARPing together for a long time, me and her. And so as I went up, there's, you know, all these people, are, they do a big ceremony for it. It's almost like a wedding. There's like all these people in pews mm-hmm. and they're all sitting and there's pro- there's a bunch of people at the ceremony. Yeah. I don't know what the count was, but it was probably like 40, 50 people, something mm-hmm. like that at the ceremony. Right? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, probably something like that. And you walk down the middle aisle and you're looking very penitent. Thank I you. I thought you looked very penitent. I was I was going for penitent, and I and I had my hood pulled up because I didn't because at that point we had successfully snuck up me around to this LARP field, and you hadn't seen me yet. I, yeah. And as far as I knew, you didn't know I was there. I I knew that I was having a special guest, mm-hmm. but I did not know it was going to be you. Okay, so you're up there. I'm up there. I've been up for over 24 hours. That's I've part, been part of the ceremony. Yes. The night before you do a vigil, you stay up from sun sundown to sunup. Yeah. And I I had done that. I am not a young man, um, so staying up for 24 hours is not in my repertoire anymore. So I'm a bit in the, I've, I've had like two hours of sleep before the ceremony. Yep. I'm a little bit in a daze. I go up there. I, I walk down the aisle and get escorted. My knight is standing in the front. Yep. He he's asked, conducting. He's conducting the ceremony. I take a knee. We go through the ceremony. Part of the ceremony is people can come up and light a candle. And 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 uh, proclaim my accolades, if you will. Accolades. Thank you, accolades. Proclaim my accolades. Um, and you came up for one of them, and I hadn't seen you yet because I've been I had been staring forward the whole time. You were staring at your knight. I was, yeah. And he said, "Can anyone attest to this man's uh, valor?" I think you did valor or something. Yeah. yeah, I think you did valor. And I said, "I have." Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I walked up there and I lit a candle and you weren't, you were looking down, you were so focused. Did you think you dreamed me? Were you so, <laughs> were you so tired? Did you think, did you think you dreamed me? Well, I heard you because you said it's an honor. Yeah. And you have a very distinctive voice. Yes, I've heard, I do. Right. So then I looked up and I started to cry because I didn't know, I didn't think it was going to be. I, I didn't, didn't realize you started to cry. Yeah. I didn't know you were there. Yeah. And I'm so fucking sleep deprived. I'm already an yeah, emotional blame, wreck. Blame it on the sleep. But I started to cry. And so, um, cause it's, it's just such an emotional day, yeah. you know? And so I started to look down again and I was like, okay, if I cry so hard that I start to shake, people will know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, so I was like, you need to, <clears throat> you need to get over this yeah. because you're going to have to stand up and turn around soon and people are going to see if you're crying. So I did the cheek bite trick. Yeah. You know, you bite the side of your cheek and that kind of got me through it. That, but And you just bite your emotions down. Yeah. We had someone take a photo of me and my, my full kit and mm-hmm. you. And so once that photo gets to me, I'll put it up on our Instagram so people can see. Cool, 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 cool. I would love to know. 
Yes. As someone who has never been to a LARP event before. Yeah. You were there. You saw it. What are your thoughts? It was. I, I had a lot of fun. Everybody was very, very nice. I was very confused most of the time. I did not know how to behave or acquit myself in any way, yeah. but I had a very good time. It was, it was interesting. I am glad that I went. I'm glad I got to see it. It was a very cool little ceremony. I had a whole backstory, too, and nobody asked me about it. My girlfriend made up your backstory, no, dog, no, on the spot. No, I had an elaborate backstory. What was your backstory? I was an assassin who's going to come kill you, but then I fell in love with you. That's not that's not make believe, dog. That's real life. <laughs> Did you read any? Were you so overwhelmed with your your newfound knighthood that you uh, couldn't even read a comic this week? I did read some comics this week. I I still I was a little sleepy last night. It was funny. Usually you're still hungover from the, yeah from the nighting. Yeah. Um. Usually one of us can kind of energize if one of us is down on the week. Yeah. The other one can bring him up for the podcast. Yeah. Last night, and just to be completely transparent with our listeners, last night both of us were kind of typing in our show notes, and I could see both of us falling asleep at the same time. It hit like eight thirty, and like two grizzled old men. I could just see the productivity slowing down. Yeah. Our shared Google Doc <laughs> turned into a wasteland. Yeah. But yes, I did read some stuff. Um, in, in my thought this week mm-hmm. um, doesn't have to do with any particular issue that came out, but interesting. What what spurred me was there were three, three or four Spider Genin tie-ins this week. Spider Genin being a giant Spider-Man themed uh, shared story that Marvel is doing right now. Yep. Um, and I'm I've. Been on record saying it's not my favorite, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to give it my all. I read all of them. Yeah, I, I I'm w- gonna read. Also, I'm on. I'm gonna read every Spider Geddon book. I'm saying it right now. I'm gonna read every single one of them. Cool. I, I think I have so far. I'll still say that it's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. But what what struck me was there's another big Marvel event happening right now. The return of Wolverine. Wolverine has been dead for four years or some shit like that, and now they're they're bringing him back. Yeah. And I just don't care. That they're bringing Wolverine back. It's not even that they're bringing... I don't really care about the event, mm-hmm. Return of Wolverine. Wolverine hasn't really been gone because there's five Wolverines in the Marvel Universe now. So Wolverine has been gone, but Old Man Logan has been around. So it's not like the character has been completely destroyed. He's been in the presence of the comic book universe while Wolverine, let's call him Wolverine Alpha, has been dead. Sure. Um, And it got me thinking even more of, I used to love the Mm X-Men. They used to be my my just jam when it came to comics. And I don't have that same passion anymore. For those characters. For those characters. And I would say more so for the storylines and that, that... Marvel has been kind of putting out over the last couple of years. And I have to say, in full honesty, I am not current yeah. on a lot of the X-Men titles right now. Yeah. Because my interest has waned. But Nick, do, do So this is less about like an overall talk about the quality of these X-Men books. Right. Because I'm not current on a lot of X-Men stuff either, but my understanding is that like X-Men Red is supposed to be the shit. Yeah, that's this is everything that I hear is that it's it's a very very good book. It's like forty two issues in, and it's supposed to like have been staying good. I'm just not current on it, and neither are you. Yeah, neither am I. So we are not X Men perts. 
No, we are not experts. Uh, so let's just let's take that with a grain of salt. But I haven't been super moved to read X Men stuff. Were they a big deal to you when you were younger and getting into comics? I think yeah, and I th- I I mean I was into the cartoon as I think a lot of people our age were, mm-hmm. and I have talked about it on this podcast so many times, and I'm. Sorry to bring it up again, but Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force book was the book that convinced me that there was like some meat on those bones. And who's the team in Uncanny X-Force? We have Psylocke. Mm-hmm. We have Angel, where I think is Archangel at that point. He is, yeah. We have Deadpool at that point. We have... Phantomex! Phantomex! How do you pronounce it? Phantomex! I like that one. It sounds like a like a surface cleaner. Yes, Exactly. For ghosts. For ghosts. Now, uh, so that was the first book, Uncanny X-Force, was, it was, like, very, very deep. It opens up with, like, the plan is to kill Apocalypse. Apocalypse has, like, been reborn as a child. And somebody, there's got to be some part of, oh, Wolverine is the head of this team, is the other thing. of course. There has to be, um, was it Wolverine was the head of the team? Yeah. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that he was. So they're they're the X Men who do the dirty work. They do they do the the nasty shit. They do yeah. that nasty. So because sometimes you save the world, and sometimes you just got to go kill Baby Apocalypse. Right. And there's there's nobody's so, going to hear about it, and we're not going to get a parade. And uh, Cyclops isn't going to do that. Cyclops is going to do that. Professor X is not going to take us to Pizza Hut afterwards. Like right. we're just going to like do some shit, and then we got to go home and like try to scrub it from our minds and never think about it again. Yeah. And that is like the premise of the entire book is how do you do these horrible things and then live with yourself? They were all kind of shitty people. It was also like the best expression of Deadpool ever in a comic. I think to this day it's the best expression of Deadpool in a comic. So that got me reading a lot more X-Men stuff. Yeah. Because the possibilities were open to me. Um, It seemed like there was a lot of X-Men books that over the past five years that are about getting the X-Men back together. And that started to wear a little thin. It's either, they're either some subsect of the X-Men is getting together with another subsect of the X-Men. Yeah. Or all the X-Men have to come together to fight something. Yeah. And that's, and sometimes that's each other, right? Because like there was like the X-Men Charles Xavier school and then for a while there was the Jean Grey school and they would do their own things, but inevitably they would come and fight each other. And that was the X-Men for a while, um, which was kind of a bummer. We had bad Cyclops for a while. Oh, yeah. Here's what I think. I think neither one of us are equipped to talk about this properly. Okay. I challenge us. Yeah. I challenge us to read X-Men Red Okay. before uh, the next couple podcasts and to report back and to give the X-Men an honest shot. What do you think? I- I'm down to do it. Yeah. I-, I My concern for me is that the X-Men that I grew up, and I know that I am- I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite right now because I'm always on the air saying that like we need to change and evolve the medium and do all this stuff. You just want the same fucking X-Men team, don't you? It's not that. It's just that we've like we have traveled quite a distance from 90s TV show X-Men, which is the base of my X-Men knowledge and love. Yeah. To where we're at now is my hypothesis. I am interested in reading X-Men Red and seeing if that's true. But wait, what's your hypothesis? That it's come a long way? Of course, it's come that, a long that way. That it's very different. It's 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 unrecognizably different. Yeah, it, it but yeah. it is, and it probably should be because that stuff was really bad. It wasn't. It I was would, really bad. I wouldn't say really bad. I love you so much. It was it, cheesy and bad. 
this the, is this is prime '90s schlock at this point. You think so? I also have a fondness for it. Like yeah, 100% yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a fondness for it. Right. But like, it's not good. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. No, that's sure. It's not good. And there's a time there, like, I don't particularly like Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. I didn't think it was very- This is the prime example of the period of X-Men that you like. Yeah. This is, like, the biggest thing that happened in that time. Is Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't particularly love. I've I've read it. It is not my jam. But if we look at the sales numbers for X-Men, like, X-Men is chugging along. Mm-hmm. It, it, Marvel has three X-Men titles in the top 100 comic books shipped. Yep. Um, But the-, the there was a lot of commotion because Return of Wolverine number one was the number one unit shipped comic in September. And what I wonder is, as someone, I don't work in a comic book shop anymore, you do, mm-hmm. is is this number a, a relationship between older shop owners ordering a lot of Return of Wolverine number one? Because this isn't units sold. This is units sent to comic book shops. Sure. Or is it... These bo- are these books once they reach comic book stores going home with customers, or are they sitting in fat stacks and on shelves? Because older comic book owners have a fondness for an, uh, uh, the X Men that maybe doesn't exist in the market as a whole anymore. Well, it's probably a reflection of the fact that like the death of Wolverine was a huge deal. Wolverine, separate and apart, we're conflating Wolverine with the X Men back and forth. But he is his own thing. But Wolverine has long since been his own thing. Yeah. In 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 Marvel comics, like Wolverine, there was a time when like you could not open a single Marvel book without a Wolverine appearance at one point, and that time was, you know, six years ago, right. five years, ago, if that. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. So. Why and I don't know. And this is the thing: it's a black box, right? I think it's doing pretty well at our shops. Uh, Return of Wolverine, but is it quality-wise? I don't know that it did, that it deserves this. Anyway, that's not the question, right? Because we don't want to equate sales with quality Never. at all, right? That's, that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I don't know the answer to your question, and that's the weird thing about comics is that nobody knows the answer to your question, and we'll never know because you don't return those books, and we'll never get a final answer. Well, I look forward to reading X-Men Red with you. Why don't we read X-Men Red and Let's see what do we it. think? And then we'll have a, then we can see what's going on with you. Because this is widely acknowledged to be a very solid, ongoing X-Men book right now. I'm excited because I, you notoriously hate team books. Yeah, so, I wish I wasn't notorious for that. But you do. You don't like team books. I'm not... Uh, yeah, books with... Yeah. The balance of all of those characters... This is my... Spider Geddon thing. I know. <laughs> like it's just there's so many people in the book and they've all got a quip and they've all got to express their entire personality in yeah. every single quip. It's really, really hard under the best of circumstances. And especially with a team as huge as the X Men are, it's it's a really it's it's difficult to pull off. It's just when I think of your favorite superhero books. Yeah. You know, it's Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, which is a deep dive into one dude. It's uh, Mark Wade's She-Hulk, which is a deep dive into one character. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems that you enjoy those intense looks at a moment in one character's life so much more. Like, I love Brian Michael Bendis' run on Avengers, which is a giant team book. Yeah. But even when I was into that book, I remember you not particularly being into it. And I think that's one of the better team books that's been out there. And Bendis handles it well because Bendis does, you know... 
if there's one thing that he does well, yeah. it's like juggling a lot of dialogue, and that's kind of what you have to do with a book like that. But let's take it back to Uncanny X-Force. This is a book that would like, that is a pretty small team. It's like five people on that team. Yeah. And really the arcs would focus on two or three of them and the relationship between two or three of them at a time. The other ones would be in there. You know, the other members of the team would pop in and they're interacting and they're a part of every single issue usually, but the focus is a more easily graspable dynamic. It's just kind of hard to go deep or nuanced with eight people on a page. It's hard. And that's not always the goal of it. You know, I don't need every fucking comic book to be deep and nuanced. I swear to God I don't. I know it doesn't sound like it <laughs> yeah. from the podcast that I do every single week, <laughs> right. but like I really don't need that. Yeah. But X-Men wants to be that. I really do think it wants to be that. I really do think X-Men has always wanted to be about something more than just punching big robots and fighting a bad guy that x-men was born out of this urge to like be deeper than your average comic book yeah right it's born out of this expression of like the other and like how we fit into society when we're different from society so given that it's kind of a tough ask when we're it's just wolverine like you know slashing shit bubbing along and you know i gambit calling everybody mo sherry or whatever right 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 yeah, I, I just find that a lot of the times when X-Men is written, it's exactly that. It's like, how many X-Men tropes can I, as a writer, with this eight-person crew, jam into one book? So, like, Gambit's got to say stuff in Creel. Yep. Wolverine's got to slash stuff and say bub. Yeah. Nightcrawler's got to get religious. Yep. Cyclops has to be holier than thou. And Jubilee does something goofy and blows something up by accident and then feels bad about it. Mm -hmm. And we take that and we put it into an X-Men book and we put it out. And we know that we're going to get X amount of sales because it has X-Men on the front of it. Mm -hmm. But I hope that there's just more to it. And I I, I really do. Such, we are such assholes for talking. Th that could be happening right now. It could totally and be happening find right out. now. And we're going to find out. We're going to find out. That's my worry. Yeah. So I look forward to reading X-Men Red with you and coming back and seeing we'll what's give, up. We'll give an honest assessment. That's fair. Thank you for indulging me in thank my X-Men Thank you for indulging me. We have a board game review. Yes, we do. And not only that, it's an early access board game review. That's right. We're giving you the info now so you can get in, see if you like it, and put in that pre-release. The most important thing about Super Skull is that it, this is about the consumer. This is about consumer knowledge. Mm -hmm. This is this is our mission statement. That's not really our mission it's statement. It's kind of our mission statement. We'll give it a half statement. Keyforge. Keyforge. Why is it? What, what's up with Keyforge? Keyforge releases on November 15th. It is designed by Richard Garfield. Who's Richard Garfield? The gentleman who created Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. He did a game called King of Tokyo recently. He did a game called Netrunner that I like a lot. You like that game a lot. Yeah. and But mostly he did... Uh, the most the most important game that he designed obviously was Dilbert Corporate Shuffle from 1997. How could how could you say otherwise? He actually has a pretty huge body of work. Now that I'm looking at it, yeah. Now that I'm staring at his, it's Wikipedia interesting page. too because Magic the Gathering very much changed the industry when it came out. Mm -hmm. um, industry has n never been the same. Yep. King of Tokyo was the hottest shit for three years. Still very still a little warm still to this day. Yeah, still a little, a little warm. Warm, yeah. to, warm to the touch. Here's what's weird about Keyforge. So Keyforge is published by 
uh, Fantasy Flight Games. And if you were just to look, if you were just to walk by it out of the corner of your eye, you would assume that this is another collectible card game. Much like Magic the Gathering. Much like Magic the Gathering or your Pokemon or your Yu-Gi-Oh or what, what have you. Mm-hmm. Keyforge is a collectible game, sort of, but it is a, quote, unique deck game. What is a I why, that means nothing. What you said means nothing to me. You're gonna have to buckle in for okay. this, buddy, because okay. this is a little weird. So in Keyforge, there are all these houses, and they each house has a bunch of cards that are in it. You could right? think of them like a guild, perhaps. Maybe like a guild, or like a suit. Yes, of a card. That's a really good way to put it. And each of those suits, those six suits, uh, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of cards that make up those suits. Right? And, right, and they are unique to that faction, that faction or that suit. Now, the decks themselves that you buy, they cost $10, and they're made up of 37 cards. Those 37 cards have been predetermined algorithmically by a computer to be that balanced deck that is completely unique to that deck and no other deck. So what you're saying, and I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around this, is they're going to print 100,000 copies of this game. Or whatever. Or whatever. And each deck is going to be different from all the other decks. Yes, thanks to computers. That's crazy to me. Not only that, but each deck is going to come with a little QR code signifier that says exactly what's in that deck so that for you know tournament play or for verification or whatever you can tell that this was actually generated by our proprietary keyforge algorithm and is legit it is balanced according to the keyforge game publishers Wild. makers right already that's kind of crazy so there is no deck building in keyforge so the course of like magic the gathering is you buy some cards, you might might buy a bunch of booster cards, you might buy some theme decks, whatever. You buy a bunch of cards and then you flip through them. You go through them, you look mm-hmm. at them, you decide which ones you like. Ooh, this one might be a really cool combination to work with this one over here. Because if both of these come up in my hand at once, then I can do this sweet thing. Right. And then, well, but it would be really cool if I had this other card. So then I buy more boosters and then I buy more boosters because I'm looking for the sweetest cards that are going to help me build a really amazing deck that I can then play against my friends or play in tournaments or what have you. Right. This is how collectible card games work. Yeah, and I'm a sucker for them. And you're a sucker for them, and you're not alone. I've played so many yes. collectible card games throughout my life. This is, Keyforge is not that. Keyforge, what you do is spend $10, you get a deck of cards, and you play with that deck of cards, and you don't take any cards out of it, and you don't put any cards into it. That's right. It is not moldable. It is not a deck-building game. It is a unique deck game. And we played it twice. We played it twice. Over the past couple of days. So, Richard Garfield, uh, why would you make a game like this, right? Yes. What is the, what's the thought process behind it? Richard Garfield wrote a little essay. Oh, did he? About it. And he said that he notes that some of his favorite ways to play trading card games have disappeared as the game has evolved, right? And as, right. as these types of games have evolved. So, the use of cards, there are some cards that are like really interesting, but they only are good situationally. And if they don't fit into the deck that you're building or if they don't fit into what the community has acknowledged is like, these are good strategies for like how to build your deck, then they might just go by the wayside. They might just get abandoned. But somebody made that card, 
right? Yeah, absolutely. Some, somebody like developed an idea and a mechanic and like a, maybe even some lore about that one weird card that you can't get to work. So, but players that if they can't, they don't want to use them or that find that they don't fit, are they just get abandoned? That they just don't get used at all. So. He writes that he find I find special pleasure, says Richard Garfield, in winning a game using cards that many people ignored or overlooked. So he kind of built a game around that idea where all of the cards are unique and there's not going to be very many of them in your in these unique decks that you get. Because they're smaller decks compared to most uh, trading card games. So what do you in magic, how big is your deck in a magic usually magic game? Fifty. Usually fifty. And we're talking thirty seven thirty seven cards. Oh, thirty seven, yeah. Maybe it is thirty six. So uh, the idea here is that because a computer is deciding and balancing it automatically, right. they're not building an optimal deck. They're building a balanced deck. So you're going to get to see all these weird-ass combinations and have to react to these weird-ass cards in a way that just wouldn't happen with a normal Magic release. Right. So what we have is a procedurally generated card game, sort of. And the goal here and I can't stress this enough because it's super weird, is you're not just buying a bunch of cards to make the sweetest deck you can. You're going to just buy fresh cards every time. You're spending 10 bucks to get a uh, generated deck that is unlike any other generated deck. Yeah. So it really doesn't think of... The, the initial reactions to this is from people that play trading card games, and that's how it's getting compared. That's how right. people are framing it and thinking about it. But it's really not like Magic the Gathering at all. So and it doesn't really help to think about it that way, but it does play similarly in some ways. But what were your thoughts? So there, there's two things I love about Magic the Gathering, and there's two things I hate. Mm. So the things I love are when everyone gets together and buys a pre-made deck and like three or four boosters, and that's it. And then you just play. Yeah. What I hate is after that happens, and we all have a good time because we all have kind of the same starter cards, mm -hmm. and then it comes down to skill is some asshole goes out to a, a card that sells magic singles and he spends $1,000. Yes. And he comes back with a deck that I will never be able to beat. That's nope. what I hate. Game over. I like sitting down with my friends and playing trading card games, especially in tournament styles. I think it's a really fun way to spend a Friday night to get 10 or 12 people together and, and, and play a TCG tournament. Not in a sanctioned environment. Just, Fuck all that. Just a bunch, yeah. of, a bunch of friends and just sitting down and play magic. I want to drink beer. And play TCGs with my friends. Yeah. That's it. And this game has a lot of potential. Keyforge has a ton of potential for exactly that. It's kind of the ideal for that. It's, it is. It's because literally it's we all go, we spend $10. We don't have to worry about what we pull. We don't have to worry about it being unbalanced in any way. You're, you know that in theory, if everything works the way that it's supposed to, that you're going to stand as just as good a chance as everybody else, assuming right. that you understand the mechanics of the game and that you can work a strategy. That's right. But the, the thing that worries me is with just as much of the playing and balance, I do like deck building. But that this but isn't it, that. I understand this isn't that, but that's a big part of games that are a lot like this. But this isn't so, that. But I wonder about the, the, the leg of it. I wonder about how much a game where you just go buy a random deck. But you're talking about, does it have the legs to survive in the market? And I don't right. care about that right now. I want right, to know, how right. did you feel playing it? I, I liked playing it. Um, I question the the balance of the algorithm. Already? A little bit. Two games in? Two, I mean, I, I need to play 10 more games of it. And I Is want, it because I won both times? I, no, that has is nothing that to do with it. Is that why you question the algorithm? I want to play it 10 more times. So that's just something right off the bat. Yeah. 
because I want to get get in there and figure out. I want to play with a couple different decks. Yeah. Um, but what I what I wonder is how what my temptation is going to be to go out and just buy decks to figure them out and play with them. Yes. I think more likely than not, what's going to get me to play this game and buy new decks is someone hit me up and saying like, "Hey, Friday night, I got eight people. You want to come join us? We'll all pay ten dollars and get a new deck." Yeah. That's where I think this game will shine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I. That's about as much interest as I have in it right now is in a social affair. Because you wouldn't have attached... Why would you have attachment to the individual decks like you would to a deck of magic cards that you've been crafting? There's no attachment because it was built by the cold metal hands of a robot nanny somewhere, Yeah. right? Yeah. And you... So there, you don't have... There's no personal touch to it at all. I don't even know why you'd keep them necessarily if you found one that was really really cool and like really really worked for you sure then maybe that would that maybe that's why you would hold on to that particular deck they also have systems in place to tell if a deck is doing too well in tournament play and if it needs to be altered or retired oh cool that i like because yeah there's like this entire this elaborate app system where like things get logged and then the results of all these games get logged and that's how they can tell the performance of cards they can tell the performance of the games because that's the thing about each deck having this unique qr code code. the algorithm will just keep learning and keep getting smarter and and normally and you know this because we have had this conversation one million times yeah i have zero interest in running a magic the gathering tournament in my entire life. Yes. I never want to do it. Yeah. Because it sucks. Yes. Why does it suck? The people who show up are hyper competitive. Mm-hmm. More often than not, they're assholes. Oh, wow. And Huge generalization. Keep going. They are. They're very competitive. And it's what they... There is a culture, a larger culture with Magic the Gathering that can be off-putting to new players. I won't disagree with that at all. So, this is why I have no urge to run a Magic the Gathering tournament. Yes. I would love... Obviously, we know a lot of people that Who are, are great, yeah, and don't fit the mold. Super great people play Magic the Gathering. Yes, but it is not a super approachable hobby. It's not. Especially at the, you know, it's... if you want to play anything more than just with your buds, if you want to play at a, you know, in some competitive fashion. Right. And part of that approachability is the financial buy-in. Sure. Right? But I would love to run a tournament at 20 for this because it's chill. Yeah. There's not, you didn't spend any more money than I did. It's all random. It's all computer generated. And it comes down to player skill and luck. Yeah. That is so much more enjoyable and so much more approachable that I think this game can have some legs in that thing. I just don't know how many times I'm going to be like, hey, Nick, why don't you and I go buy a $10 deck and sit down and play this game? Right. I don't know. And that's just like the core, the feel of the game. Right. I thought it was neat. I thought it was a neat, like, uh, little tweaking of the collectible card game thing of like, I'm putting out my creatures. Right. I can attack you with my creatures. I'm going to do this other card that makes you do this other thing. Very much, it didn't do anything that I haven't seen before. It did, So it didn't blow my mind mechanically. Right. And that is the thing that's going to be like, like when we played Star Wars Destiny for the first time. And we played the shit out of that it game. It was mechanically, I've never played anything like it. Yep. It was a collectible thing. I couldn't hang with it because it was a collectible thing. But mechanically, I just fell in love with it. Yeah. Because it was so weird and so different. This I agree with you. I, I, while I'm trying to figure it out and wrap my mind around it, I totally want to do that. I totally like, hey, Marcus, let's go to the bar. Let's play. Let's go grab a $10 pack and like see what we get and see how it goes. How many times do you do that once you have figured out, oh, this is what the game is like? Yeah, where I really want to play this game is at a convention. Oh, okay. Because I hate playing games at convention, like big tournament-style games. 
I hate it. Yeah. It's not my favorite. But this is the kind of chill thing I want to do. Like, I want to meet new people. Mm-hmm. I want to have a chance to talk to them. I don't really care if I lose at this game. Yeah. Because it's 10 bucks. Who cares? And so I think it will shine in bigger moments like that. Yeah. And I hope it does well because I would like to do things like that. So that's Keyforge. I think at this point, my provisional review, and I want to play it a little bit more. Maybe we'll come back to it and talk about it again someday, is uh, it's more interesting than it is good at this point. I'm more interested by the idea of it than I am excited by the mechanics of actually playing it at this point, but I'm only two games in. Do we do a Super Skull sanctioned underground fight club slash oh, Keyforge event? I love that idea. Why don't you do all the work for that? Yeah. And make that happen. Sounds like a I really would attend that. great job yeah. for our new intern. Oh, we'll put that one on Bailey. Yeah, we'll put it on Bailey. Bailey, uh, I hope you hear me. You're giving me the thumbs up, which I appreciate. Oh, this is a great idea. We're going to send a signal. It's only going to be available for 30 seconds on our Twitter at a random time, so keep a look out. That's not how it'll work at all. Underground Fight Club. No, we should just invite a bunch of Super Skull listeners to play this fucking game when it comes out. I love that. This is a great idea. I love that. Cool, 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 cool. cool. Good job, Bailey. Good job, Bailey. All right, let's, uh, we want to call it? I guess so. You you got any any non-comic non board game recommendos for me because I need I need more things in my life. Hmm, I might. I might. Let me think about it for a second. What do you got? You talk to me. I got I so I've been trying to branch out in my music. In your music? Yeah, I work by myself a lot. So there's only so many podcasts and at some point you listen to so many podcasts in a day that you start to not give them the attention that maybe they deserve. I know that feeling very well. So I've been trying to work. I Somebody gotta, right now is doing that right I now know, with right this. I know, right now, I know. So I've been trying to get back into music because I haven't been listening to a lot of music lately. Mm-hmm. And there's a band called Brown Bird. They have a new-ish album called Axis Mundi. And it's this like dark folk meets southern rock. And I am in love with it. Mm-hmm. It's like moody and it fits this like fall season very well. It's got amazing vocals and, and, and acoustics on it. I am really in love with it. Brown Bird's album, Access Mundi. Cool. I've uh, been playing a video game called Into the Breach. I've also been playing this video game. It came out earlier this year, and I bought it again for because it came out on the on the Nintendo Switch and it's, and it's wonderful. It's a little mech game. You are a bunch of mechs. A bunch of kaiju monsters are attacking cities. Yeah, it's like a little chess ish. It's turn based. It's very tactical. And I've just re fallen in love with it. Uh, the other day, my little brother came over and beat a level that was too hard for me, which was all. I like tears came to my eyes while it was happening. That's awesome. Uh, it was. I really, really like it. You've played this game, right? Yeah, I played it for thirty minutes, and I have never touched it since. It is not for you. No, it isn't. And you got me so hyped about it. It's so good. But it's not. You know me. I. You, I, you made a Nick recommendation to Marcus. Yeah, because as always, as uh, once again, yeah, you are wrong no, about no, what no. you like. <laughs> oh, I see. And you would like this, <laughs> but you would need to play it for more than thirty minutes. Yeah. You would need to like let it sink into your brain. I fucking baby, I know you and how your brain do. I know what you like. Yeah. I have never steered you wrong. I don't make a lot of recommendations to you, but when I do, yeah, they are correct, sir. What was the game that we were playing? We were both playing it. It's a card game with the tower. 
Card game with the tower. You, you collect cards, and your person is going up the levels of the tower, and there's three different decks. Fire? Into the Spire. That was a great recommendation from I you. I know. That's a great I know. game. I don't know Recommend how... that game. Don't recommend Into the Breach. Recommend ta- the Spire game. Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire. Yeah. That's a great game. No, I'm right about Into the Breach, too. You just got to give it. You got to do it right. I see. You were doing it wrong. Okay. I understand. No. That is going to do it for us today. Thank you so much, Marcus. Nick, it's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Our editor is Rachel Polk. Our music was created by A-Bomb. Our uh, intern is Bailey. Bailey has been putting timestamps for the topics we discuss on the episode every single week. So if you don't want to listen to us talk about Marcus's knighting ceremony, if your heart is made of stone then you could skip it you if could. you want. You shouldn't, but you, you could. You should not, but you could if you want. That is a new feature that is available for this podcast. Thanks to Bailey. Thank you, Bailey. So, uh, yeah, and every week we record Super Skull at the Ann Arbor District Library. Please subscribe, download, and review Super Skull on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher if you would. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, our website. Super Skull Show is how you find us. And we're on Spotify now. And we're on Spotify now. Yeah. We're everywhere. We're in the big times. Uh, if you would, if you could find it in your heart, go to superskullshow.com slash donate. A buck an episode. $5 a month. But what's $5 a month? It's nothing. What is $5 a month? It's nothing. Really? Do you get, is this, I don't want to ask because what I don't want to know if the answer is no, but do you not like this show for $5 a month? What's 5 divided by 30, Marcus. I spent five dollars on a gourmet hot dog today. Ew. One hot dog. Gross. <laughs> Super Skull is brought to you by Vault of Midnight, Earth's finest comic books and stuff and podcasts since 1996. My name is Nick Weibar. I'm Marcus Schwimmer. And we wish you very good reading until next week. I've never seen that movie. Never once. You've never seen Mars Attacks? No. I watched half of it once and I was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh my God, Marcus. (laughs) Yeah. That's the... You are an enigma to me. Why? Let's move on. Should I love Mars Attacks? No, but you like stuff that's so much dumber than this. Like what? But it's not like willfully dumb like this is. But... It's just you not... recommended that show to me, uh, Kim's Grocery. Or yeah, whatever. I love that show. It is maybe the worst TV show I've ever no. look at me ever seen. Kim's Convenience is yeah. that what it's called? I watched the first episode you of it. You hated it. It was the worst TV no. show I've ever seen. Why? No way. Oh my God! I've been meaning to talk to you about. Why this. do you not we, like it? We won't talk about it on the podcast. To be continued. I can't believe you don't like it. I not only do I not like it. It's the worst TV show I've ever seen. That's crazy to me.